What things should Panthers fans be looking out for this week at Mandatory Minicamp? I'll tell you right here on Locked On Panthers. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday as we're in off-season mode here on the show. But come July 17th, we'll be back to your team every day. Our motto here on the Lockdown Podcast Network: subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter at Julian Council. Where on Fridays I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions either at me or DM me over on Twitter at Julian Council. I'd like to participate in this week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag right here on Locked On Panthers. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And let's go ahead and get this show started off by previewing mandatory minicamp. There are three things that I'm personally looking out for this week as the Carolina Panthers wrap up their offseason program. And then for the next, hmm, one, two, three, four, five, six weeks, the Panthers will be off and they'll be ready to come back ahead of the 2023 season for training camp. So really the time for these guys to get away, to get their bodies right, to enjoy life. And then it's time for the grind ahead of the 2023 season where Frank Reich, the new head coach here in Carolina and his staff have a team, I think, has a chance to really contend in the NFC South, a wide open division and possibly win it. And one person in particular that is going to make a huge say and whether that happens to the Carolina Panthers is Bryce Young, the number one overall pick in the 2023 draft. The player, the Carolina Panthers moved up from nine to one for the play that they gave up DJ Moore. The player they gave up the 2024 first round pick and a 2025 second round pick. Oh, and also a second round pick this year in 2023. They gave all that up for Bryce Young in the hopes that he would be their franchise quarterback. And once Bryce Young was drafted, the conversation began of when he would play. Would he start off the season as the number one starter? Would Andy Dalton be the bridge guy for a couple of weeks to start off the year? Well, it seems like we're all headed towards the obvious conclusion of Bryce Young starting week one against the Atlanta Falcons as late last week, following the final days of OTAs, Frank Reich, the Panthers head coach, announced that Bryce Young would be running with the ones this week during mandatory minicamp on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, saying it's just the next step. We had a couple of weeks to watch Andy. Andy has continued to perform at a high level. We're just trying to get our team ready. Everything is about what's best for our team. And so this was just the next step. Andy, of course, being Andy Dalton, who is the veteran backup here in Carolina, who, if Bryce Young is not ready or he goes down, will step in and be the starter. Then Matt Corral will be the third quarterback here in Carolina this upcoming season. It was news, but it was hardly news if you had really been paying attention. After rookie minicamp, when OTAs started, the first week of the three-week period of OTAs that we've been paying attention to over the last couple of weeks during this month and back in May, Bryce Young was already getting first-team snaps. So it would be a logical conclusion that after three weeks of getting to know his teammates, being with the ones that the mandatory portion of the offseason, this week mandatory minicamp, would be when you would first give Bryce an opportunity to run with the ones. Now, does that mean 
that when we come back from training camp that he'll be running running with the ones? I guess not necessarily, but I certainly would be surprised to where if you had built throughout the offseason to this point for Bryce to be the one and be with the starters, why would that not be the case after a six-week break heading to training camp? So I imagine that he'll still be the starter. And according to the reports out there, this was the plan that Scott Fitter, the Panthers general manager, and Frank Wright, the Panthers head coach, had came to once they decided that they're going to draft Bryce Young. That this is what they wanted to do. Hey, rookie minicamp, we'll have him be with the ones, man with the twos, then we'll start building towards him being the guy with the ones if he does all of the things that we want him to do. If he's hitting all the benchmarks, which clearly he was doing, and if he's gaining respect to the locker room, which clearly he has done, to where then, yes, we get to mandatory minicamp, Bryce is our guy, then he has six weeks to train, get ready, relax, knowing that coming to training camp, he's going to be starting off with the ones. Now, does that mean that he's guaranteed to be the starter week one? I wouldn't say so. I would be surprised if he's not, but I would say not necessarily just because he still has so many things to prove to them. And for Frank Reich, it makes sense to make this move now because he's saying it's about what's best for the team. The best thing for the team is for Bryce Young to be prepared as a starter and he has many offseason reps as possible so that he can be the starter week one and that the team's not having to go from Andy to Bryce. But if they don't feel like Bryce Young is ready, they can always go back to Andy Dalton. Now, I don't think it's going to be like one of those yo-yo situations where right, Bryce struggles, they put in Andy, they know when they can bring back Bryce. I don't really look at it as that kind of thing happening. It's just they know that they have that safety net. If you even want to call Andy Dalton a safety net to where, all right, we're going to prepare Bryce for the starter. But for whatever reason, if something happens where we just don't feel comfortable and Bryce is just not comfortable enough yet, we can go out to Andy Dalton. But by all accounts, that's really not a concern for this, for the staff and for anyone who's been watching this team over the last couple weeks during OTAs and now heading into mandatory minicamp. It's not a concern that I have at all. It's just one of those things where you look at it, okay, it's good. You got Bryce out there now. And if things don't work out the way you want them to, as they have so far, they worked out perfectly. At least they, everything they wanted to see, they've seen it. You can always go back to Andy Dalton. But is Andy Dalton going to be your future? No. And the Panthers are trying to make sure the future is now by having Bryce out there with Adam Thielen. With DJ Chark, who spoke to the media last week, to have him behind the number one offensive line and to be in that huddle leading those men who you would expect and hope for him to lead week one on the road in Atlanta. If it's not then, then at some point in time, during the 2023 season. But after making the move last week, it's hard to see a scenario where Bryce Young isn't that week one starter unless, you know, he struggles mightily this week and in training camp and in the preseason. But I really don't see that happening for Bryce Young. He looks like he's already QB1, and really, that's what you want to see. You draft the guy number one, you gave up all those picks, and you have three years to figure it out. I'm going to call him the franchise quarterback right now, but it's still to be determined. Yes, they took him number one. Yes, the expectation is for him to be the franchise. They gave up all that so that he could come in and start and be the quarterback for the next 10, 15 years here in Carolina. But the reality is in the NFL, just because you get taken in the top five or at number one does not mean that you truly are going to be that caliber of player for the team that you're on. Now, I hope and believe that Bryce Young can be that, but it still remains to be seen. He still has to play games. So getting him out there as a rookie, and building towards the second year, and really that third year where he needs to take off, that is what you want to see the team play him now so we can get closer to knowing whether he was the answer or not. Doesn't make a lot of sense to wait a year, which was never going to happen with Bryce, but doesn't make a lot of sense to wait and then to be sitting here and not really knowing 
the answers heading into year two. I feel like we'll have a better understanding after this rookie year. And that's really the main goal. Going to the playoffs is everything that you Panther fans want. It's been a long time since 2017. You want to have the right quarterback. You want to be a playoff team. But you need to start seeing those signs and those glimpses this season that Bryce Young can be the answer. Because that's really all that matters. Win-loss record, yes, it's a team game. You want to win. But you got to make sure the guy that's under center is the right guy. Because if he's not, you're right back here hiring a new coach, hiring a new GM, and trying to find a new quarterback. So Bryce Young ranked the ones early on as an encouraging sign. And I believe the right move by Frank Reich and his staff to try and get him ready as soon as possible for week one against Atlanta once the season starts off. So that's one thing to monitor. Another thing... What's going on with the edge rushers? Brian Burns, as we know, ankle surgery, not out there, should be ready to go come training camp in about a month and a half. But is the answer an outside linebacker opposite of Brian Burns on the roster, or is it not? One final chance, presumably, for some of those guys to prove themselves. We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. And tonight could be the night for the city of Denver and the Nuggets as they look to hoist the Larry O'Brien Trophy as Game 5 of the NBA Finals going on in Denver, Colorado, which now... You might be your last chance to make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA Finals because right now, new customers, and that could be you, can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Y'all, this is the time. Bet on Jokic. Bet on Michael Porter Jr. if that's what you want to do. Or bet on Jimmy Butler, who's been great throughout the playoffs. This is your last chance to get that bonus bet. There's no better place to bet on all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. All eyes have been on Bryce Young since the Carolina Panthers took him with the number one overall pick in the 2023 draft. And that will be this case once again this week as Carolina Panthers begin mandatory minicamp on Tuesday, rolling all the way through Thursday this week and then having their six-week hiatus leading up to training camp ahead of the 2023 NFL season. But it's not just Bryce Young that people should be focusing on this week at mandatory minicamp. It should also be what's going on at outside linebacker, that edge rusher competition happening in Carolina. We've heard from Scott Fitterer multiple times this offseason that they would be looking for an edge rusher, and we saw them address that in the draft of DJ Johnson in the third round out of Oregon, moving up from 93 to 80 to get him. But we also understand that DJ Johnson someone who played tight end and edge in college is an older prospect who has not necessarily turned himself into that kind of edge rusher that should be feared heading into his rookie year. But that's not to say that he can't. It's just going to take a little bit more time and the expectation should not be for him to come in and do have a stellar rookie year. And I do question how much he's really going to contribute for the Carolina Panthers in 2023. You look at guys like Marquise Haynes who over the last couple of seasons has been Really solid as a situational pass rusher, but it's not like he's putting up big numbers. Five sacks, four sacks, three sacks. It's not amazing stuff, but you're getting something out of Marquise Haynes. And when you have a player like Hassan Reddick, pay up Brian Burns, and you get four sacks of Marquise Haynes, you love that. But like last year, when it's Haynes getting you five sacks and giving you a goose egg up until week 11 against Atlanta on Thursday night football. That's not nearly enough. And I have said this multiple times. I have no idea 
how hindered he was by that knee injury that he suffered early on in training camp. I want to say it was the first Saturday of training camp last year down in Spartanburg on the campus of Wofford College where he went down with that knee injury and he was listed as day-to-day, which he certainly was able to, uh, you know, skate evade a serious injury and the Panthers also were able to not have a serious injury the Panthers win the last year without replacing Hassan Reddick who told us at the Super Bowl that the Panthers had other plans those plans were Deshaun Watson and as we saw that did not work out they did draft a edge rusher out of Virginia Tech in Marquise Haynes not Marquise Haynes but in Amari Barno we didn't see a lot of Barno outside of the preseason where there were some flashes but again it's just the preseason and he's going up against a lot of guys who are twos and threes just like him not against the ones well, it's the second year now with Barno, and there's a new scheme, a new defensive coordinator, and new coaching staff. Does that help him become a player who can step up in year two and really produce? TBD. There's questions about Haynes and whether he can be a full-time starter in the league, and Frank Reich has said, hey, there's a starter on this team at edge rusher. While also, Fitter said, we're looking for an edge rusher, and I don't know if their answer is right now, on the roster here in Carolina. We saw last week on Monday, Leonard Floyd, who was the most obvious signing the Carolina Panthers could have made. He signed in Buffalo with the Bills, teaming up with his former teammate, Von Miller, who he won a Super Bowl with a couple seasons ago in Los Angeles with the Rams. Frank Clark, who's won two Super Bowls with the Kansas City Chiefs. He signed with the division rival Denver Broncos late last week. But there's still guys on the board. Daniil Hunter, who right now is not going to mandatory minicamp up in Minnesota, who just cut Dalvin Cook, and they've also let Adam Thielen go. So there's certainly Kevin O'Connell, Cozy Adolfo Mensa, the general manager up there. They are not married to any of the former players that were there under the previous coaching staff and players that they that helped them win a lot of games last year, letting Cook go, letting Thielen go, and could Daniel Hunter, who's entering into his age 28 season and was a pro bowler last year after being injured the year prior, is he someone that they want to keep around? Or is he someone who's looking for a new contract and wants to move on to another team? And the Panthers could be a solution for him. I did say on Friday in the weekly mailbag that I don't want to give up assets. I don't know how many assets the Panthers have. But in particular, for a player who could come here for a season and then bounce. It's only about $5.5 million he's even due this year. But if he comes in, you give up. And maybe, maybe it's a late-round pick. Maybe it's a fourth or fifth-round pick. But you don't have a first next year. You know you're missing a second-round pick down the road as well. Do you want to be giving up too many picks? And Scott Fitter's talking, we've got to value our picks better. And he talked about doing that the year prior, heading, and when they didn't really have any options after they traded for Sam Darnold. And then they were, had that big gap from what was from six until really the fourth round until they decided to trade up into the third round to get Matt Corral. There's that big, massive gap there for the Carolina Panthers. He talked about they got to value picks then. And we saw they gave up a lot to get Bryce Young. They've talked about valuing picks, but they haven't. With the Darnold trade, that didn't work out. The Mayfield trade, of course, that didn't work out. And you look at the C.J. Henderson trade that didn't work out. A lot of trades the Carolina Panthers have made that really haven't been successful. So do you want them to make another trade for a player who is getting up in age? You don't know, coming off a really good season. Do you want to give up, give up, give up assets for a player who's getting up in age, who wants out of where he's at right now, and it is probably looking for a big deal if you trade for him or next offseason, which then could have him priced out of Carolina. That's just one question that you should ask yourself. Josh Allen, the Buffalo, not the Buffalo Bills one, but the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, edge rusher out of Kentucky, a former top five pick. He's someone who also apparently looking for a big deal in Jacksonville, and he could be out on the trade market. I would rather do that because he's a younger player. 
Although I believe the price tag is probably going to be a little bit higher for the Jags if they do part ways with Josh Allen coming off the division title. Don't think that Doug Peterson and that organization wants to see one of their young defensive leaders not stick around. But the Panthers, they could surely use him. But again, the Carolina Panthers got to figure out what's going to happen with Brian Burns. Now, we know Burns is going to be here. And we have a pretty good idea that Burns is going to get paid. Just how much and when is that going to happen? Hard to trade for Daniel Hunter or Josh Allen and not know what you're paying Brian Burns down the road. And also have to consider other guys who are going to want to get paid here. Jeremy Chin, who you have now put in a position where he can be a more def- a playmaker on defense with Bron- Von Bell here at safety. You look at Derek uh, Brown. Use exercise fifth-year option on him for next year, about over $11 million. There's other players who you're going to have to invest in. So can you invest in Burns and Hunter while also giving up a trade asset? Can you invest in Burns and Josh Allen while also giving up probably more trade assets? That's something to look out for. Is the answer on the roster? I don't think the answer is on the roster. And while the production went from 39 sacks to 35, not a steep drop-off, even though you lost a player like Hassan Reddick, it's still not good enough. And it's not near the top of the league where the Panthers were not too long ago prior to bringing in Matt Rule and that coaching staff and really turning over that entire defensive side of the roster where I think they're getting to a point where you're going to expect double-digit sacks from Brian Burns every year, especially if he's healthy. And you're going to want to get something from the other guys on this roster. And maybe Derek Brown... Being coached by Todd Watts, a new defensive line coach, who's talked about he really wants to turn him into an, a, a rusher from the interior. Is it possible that Derrick Brown can bring you some more rush up the middle and that he can get some sacks to the Carolina Panthers and help bring up that total for the team overall? But right now, an outside linebacker, I look at Haynes, and I just he is who he is at this point in time. Maybe the defense fits him better. It's still question marks about Barno. Gross Matos doesn't feel like he's a scheme fit. They're going to tell you that, hey, he's looking great. But it's mandatory minicamp. It's way too early to really know. But we'll see how that works out for him. A guy who hasn't shown nearly enough in the first three years of his career to now think that with a new scheme and a new coaching staff, it's just going to finally click. So we'll see how it works out. The Panthers still have plenty of time. Clowney's out there. Although, don't I wouldn't expect a lot from him. But hometown guy, so fine. Clowney's out there. Yannick Ngakwe, which would be my preferred option. He's out there. Might not be great against the run. We got Henry Anderson on the roster. You got some other guys who can take care of that business for you. If you just want Ngakwe to rush, I think he can do that and do a pretty damn good job at it. Got Justin Houston's out out on the market. You got Melvin Ingram, most experience, also in the 3-4. There are still options. You would like to get this done over the next couple of weeks leading into training camp. You would like to have him on the roster before then. It also would be nice to get it done this week as well, but they don't have to get it done now. And I wouldn't look at roster cutdowns to be an answer, and I know Fitter has brought that up in the past. I we can see who gets cut. If a team doesn't want him elsewhere, is he really going to come into Carolina and make a big impact? I know the Panthers did it a couple years ago and started a guy like Rasul Douglas who's gone on to have a really good career in Green Bay for a season, but he, he had his struggles, he had his ups and downs. I don't know if that's what you're really trying to do as far as roster building here in Carolina. You would feel like you're in a position where – you don't need to pick up guys who got cut elsewhere to come in and play in such an important position for the Panthers. And what I said last week is really the missing link to this defense really having a chance to be excellent this year in 2023. And they could still be excellent. I would just you know like to see them bring in another edge rusher who's a veteran who's been around the block opposed to 
Yes, they have a veteran, Marquise Haynes, but I'd like to have someone who's had way more production than Marquise Haynes has had so far in his career. I would like for them to bring in a veteran who's, who has produced, that can be a leader, can take some of the pressure off of Burns, and then also help some of these young guys, you know, buy them some time before it's time for them to really step up, which you would think next year, there's really no excuse. You need to see something out of Amari Barno. You're going to have to see something out of DJ Johnson and who knows what else they decide to do next offseason. So that's where I'm looking at right now. The outside linebacker competition, Burns is out. You got two guys out there in the starting roles this week. Yes, they're not out there, you know, live action, but want to know what those guys look like and who's stepping up. And if they can show Scott Fitterer and Frank Reich that, hey, you guys are good. We don't need to get anybody else. Like, we're ready to go. So we'll see how that works out here. This week. Now, that's not the only concern on the defensive side of the ball as far as depth goes. At cornerback, no J.C. Horn, no Dante Jackson this week. What is the cornerback depth looking like here in Carolina? We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked On Panthers. We found out last week that J.C. Horn would miss the rest of OTAs and mandatory minicamp as he had a foot-slash-ankle issue. Not the same foot, thankfully, that he broke a couple years ago during his rookie season on Thursday Night Football against the Houston Texans, which cost him the final 14 games of his rookie year. It's a different one, but he will be in a boot for the next couple of weeks and should be ready to go leading up to training camp. I believe down at Wofford, even though we haven't gotten the official word, I bet they'll probably let us know this week that that officially is going to happen. But um, J.C. Horn will not be out there. And, of course, Dante Jackson also not available, still recovering from the torn Achilles that he suffered last year during the season. And your top two corners, both out right now, and they were both out in the final two weeks of the season and, more importantly, in that Week 17 game, which – it's not the reason why the Panthers didn't go to the playoffs. There's so many more reasons. The off the uh, quarterback play wasn't good enough. The uh, head coach that they had to start off the season, obviously he wasn't good enough. There were plenty of other things that kept them out of the playoffs last year. But really when they were starting to put things together, even though it was a little bit up and down there, a little kind of choppy still even when Steve Wilkes had this thing moving in the right direction, they just really did not have the horses there at cornerback that you could depend upon. Keith Taylor had struggles against Pittsburgh. Of course, had struggles there against Tampa. C.J. Henderson, he had his struggles last season, really in that Tampa Bay game as well, and it really highlighted just how much the Panthers missed Dante Jackson, but really how much they missed J.C. Horn. And we've talked about this throughout the offseason. Those two guys, they've got to be healthy. Because right now, I don't know how you feel about the cornerback depth on this roster. Henderson... Should be getting a ton of reps right now uh, throughout OTAs. Like he's missed a little bit. Of, I mean, I think I was reading it. It sounded like he's missed a little bit of time um, out there. But either way, he's someone who is going to be projected as your number three corner going into the season. Uh, Keith Taylor, he's got the the kind of length that they're looking for in the size that Scott Fitterer and the Seattle Seahawks used to love, like a Richard Sermon type kind of player back when they were out there in Seattle. So that's what he's been looking for in his corners. And we've seen that with C.J. Henderson look kind of like that. Uh, J.C. Horn, who they drafted. Keith Taylor, of course, who they also drafted. That's, uh, I think, what, the year prior? Well, no, I think maybe that same year. Yeah, that same year. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> always trying to just get all this stuff in my head. Yeah, that same year. That is a position that the Panthers need to find some answers there as far as their depth goes. Because Dante Jackson, unfortunately, is not someone that's been they've been able to rely on so far. 
and coming off the Achilles, that's a concern. J.C. Horn, it, it's just so unfortunate where he speaks to Joe Person of the Athletic a week ago, talking about how, yeah, like injury prone, like I don't really believe that label. Like it's all been bone breaks and all that kind of stuff. It hasn't really been muscle issues. And, you know, then he has like another foot issue, another ankle issue. And it's just unfortunate for him to have to answer questions about his durability, whether he's injury prone, and to dispel them. And then to later that week, we find out that J.C. Horn's going to miss some time. And for that to now be a concern, I think for me, I'm going to look at it as a minor concern heading into training camp as we, we still got plenty of time before Toe meets Leather and the Carolina Panthers on the road down to I-85 South playing Atlanta. But you want them out there uh, during these periods of time. And they've gone through pretty much all they could do as far as, you know, installs and all that. Like, it's not like there's too much that I feel like they really are going to be going over. Um, I mean, yes, it's it's important. Mandatory minicamp is, of course, all that is good. But it, really, it's training camp that you need them out there for. It's really – it's the preseason. That's where you need J.C. Horn out there. And then, like, when they have joint practices with the Jets, you need them to be healthy and available. So that's the kind of stuff that we're really – or I'm focused on with J.C. Horn. And with Dante, hey, man, just get back, be healthy. But Henderson – he's going to have to step up this year. Keith Taylor, we're going to need him to step up this year for the Panthers. Like Stan Thomas Oliver, he's been more of a special teams ace. He's, I think, obviously getting opportunities right now, and he could really sure his spot on the roster um, outside of just being someone who is going to be favored upon because of special teams prowess. So what can he provide for the Carolina Panthers? And he was someone who's pre-Scott Fitter, a little bit smaller corner. Does not necessarily fit the mold? We saw the same case of that happening where um, Troy Pride Jr., he didn't stick around in Carolina. Yes, he had an awful injury. That really hurt him. And just coming back and not really being healthy, um, that hurt. But also just did not kind of fit the mold of the corners and didn't see the Panthers take J.C. and also go out there and take Keith Taylor in that same draft. Kind of the writing was on the wall for a player in Troy Pride who didn't really fit the mold of the corners but also was coming off an injury. You have to think about it, too. It's not just the corners. It's guys that can play nickel that, can, that need the help out this year. Eric Rowe, I've talked about him. Started off his career earlier on playing a corner. He's moved out more to a safety and nickel role, but still play, his overall defensive back can play. You know, he can play kind of that corner position in the nickel, playing in the slot. So he, he's someone who's a veteran that can help you out. You got Jamie Chin, who can be more of a big nickel and help out in coverage that way at that nickel position. Or he can still, of course, play safety. Jamie Robinson, who they just dropped out of Florida State, same case where he is a safety, a hard hitter, undersized kind of dude, can play nickel. So guys like Rowe, like Chin, like Robinson, maybe they can help take some of the pressure off of uh, C.J. Henderson or Kate Taylor, who can have to play more on the outside. And really, that's the problem. They struggled at, in, on the outside a year ago. And going into the season during training camp, a lot of talk was that if Horn – Jackson Henderson are all healthy. We got CJ on the outside. You got Dante on the outside. And you got JC right there in the slot at nickel. So can you get back to that point where those three guys are healthy and we're all confident in what they can do? Now, I don't know what a Jero Vero is looking at with those players and how Jonathan Cooley, the cornerback coach here in Carolina, is evaluating them so far as it's really hard to evaluate a player who's not out there in Dante Jackson. I feel like they probably know what they have in J.C. Horn, but um, what do they know what they have in Henderson? How do they feel about Keith Taylor, San Thomas Oliver, and some of the other options that they have potentially at nickel? Like, all of that is still being worked out as, you know, a couple weeks ago when those guys were talking to the media, mainly uh, Jero Vero, didn't really want to answer how they're going to utilize Chen, which I get, but also didn't really offer any sort of insight on, like, hey, how could that potentially take pressure off of some of those guys on the outside? I imagine – that is something that will happen and play out at some point in time this season. So the cornerback depth really was their Achilles heel. Not, I mean, no pun intended, really. Um, at the end of the season, 
when they were able, when unable to win on the road against Tampa, turnovers also hurt them that day offensively, um, and then all the other things that happened throughout the year that put them in a position where they were behind the eight ball, anyways, but still had had a chance. Week seventeen, we really look at that game. What stood out the most, aside from the turnovers, was the fact that they could not cover Mike Evans, and that was a struggle for C.J. Henderson and Keith Taylor both. And those guys really need to make strides this offseason. Henderson just had his fifth year option declined, so you know he's now playing a contract year, and those typically are undefeated. Can he step up? up and be someone who a team down the road will want to sign as maybe a starter at corner and keep Taylor entering the year three you usually see a big jump from year two to three we saw it last year with Derek Brown we saw it with uh, Brian Burns keep Taylor more in a backup role can he make that jump and be someone who can be relied upon because he's played a decent amount of snaps so far in the NFL particularly at the end of the seasons in 21 and in 22 need to start seeing it because if not Maybe that's a position group where the Carolina Panthers look at roster cutdowns and try to find some depth there uh, once we get down to August. Or if there's someone available in free agency that they feel like can help them, maybe they go make that call. But right now, we're looking at it. Keith, CJ, your time to step up and really show this coaching staff what you have leading into training camp and this break that we're about to have for the next month and a half here in Carolina and across the NFL. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Again, y'all, subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter at Julian Council, where on Friday I'll be back to answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions, either at me or DM me to get in those questions. In the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole. As always, keep pounding, and I'll talk to y'all on Wednesday.